The Center for Minorities in the Mathematical Sciences presents Mathematically Uncensored. Where our talk is real and complex, but never discreet. everybody. I'm Dr. Eris Winger, and I'm with... Hi, I'm Dr. Pamela Harris. How are you doing? I'm hanging in here. Good, good. This is number two, and it's getting smoother to get Listen, on to this. <laughs> it only took us 11 minutes. I timed us to get all the technology oh, please and the don't right time things. Us. Please don't time us. That is, that's already too much pressure. I'm just <laughs> happy to get on. There are like seven different recording devices right now. Let me sure this works out. That's right. So... Oh my goodness, what's going on? I'm happy to be here with you again for the second week. Ditto, I'm so excited. Let's catch up. How's your week? Pretty good. People have been listening. Shout out to the listeners already. Like they are, yeah, like they're they're on it. Eight different countries. Did you know? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's already overwhelming. So we just want to thank the people who've been listening already to what we've had to say. Yeah. And I've I put some pressure on this last week because I was just like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So I hope we can continue to give people what they want. So yeah, I've been thinking about this, the podcast and really spending the time with you. And then yeah, I mean, I've just been doing the teaching and the usual stuff with you you and Michael as we do this work. Yeah, the balancing, I think, is really rough for me right now, given that we're still living through pandemic, although maybe sometimes we forget because we're in the middle of it. And so balancing the teaching, balancing meetings that come up kind of last minute, I've been like just struggling with figuring out how to let people know that if I tell you I got three hours free and you wait until Five days later, those three hours are gone. Uh, They're gone. Oh, yes. Absolutely right. So I go back and forth about the pandemic situation because I need to normalize something to keep moving forward. So at this point, I'm in a space where I have periodic breakdowns because I'm just like, this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. Like, I just keep trying to tell myself that. And then I realize that, no, this isn't. And then, like, I want to be in bed all day. Right. And then I come back and I try to pretend. Right. But this is this is objectively a disastrous time. And so I used to be like, Eris, how are things going? I'm like, oh, things are great. You know, Mm, because I'm trying to be changed. Yeah, things are great. Right. But (laughs) that's gone. Right. Because I also have a commitment to the truth. Things are not great. And I also feel like it just wouldn't be. Yeah. How could the person that I'm trying to be would never be like, things are great. Because it's for me, that means that I'm doing okay. And it doesn't matter how everyone else is doing. But I intend to become a person where I'm connected to my community and the world at large. And so if this is a disastrous time, then you can't ask me how I'm doing. And I'm like, everything's okay. That's just not going to happen, right? So I just say now, I'm just doing the best I can be doing right now. I'm just doing the best I can. I'm here. I'm present. And I'm going to give you the best I got right now. And I think that's got to be enough. Oh, it is that's enough. Be it enough. better we be. You know, we can't be asking each other for more than that already. Yes. That, to me, is already enough. Like, you're showing up. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's why a lot of times I say, I'm here. I'm here. And I know, like, some people, that's not enough. They want to get more. And I'm just like, you better be mm, who are happy. These people, I'm here. Though? Well, they, I mean, these are people. No, these are people who knew the old me before pandemic. Mm. 
but pre-pandemic eras, where it's just like, hey, what's up? And even though there were disasters going on then, right? But now that this thing has completely sweeped the world, you're not going to get a, hey, I'm doing great for me for a very long time. Because for me, it's like an insult. It's not, I mean, it's just like, how yeah. can I be like, yeah. And it's, it's an insult and it's, in, it's tied to like, I can't be doing great when I see so much devastation. That's just like, I can't do that. So, yeah. So you got me. I'm here. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm struggling in episodes. So I think yes. you, you hinted at this, right? That like yeah. you kind of go through this like, oh, I'm doing all right. I kind of yeah. got this. I got a groove. Like I figured out the way in which I can continue to be productive. We should talk yes. about that. Right. Oh, like, yes. The the level of productivity that continues to be expected of us during yes. a global pandemic yes, where people of color are disproportionately dying. Yes. Right? And we're not even touching yet all of the other things that are going on in the world. <laughs> That's but, right. but Pamela needs to be productive. Pamela needs to put papers out. Pamela mm. should be applying to brands and mm. proposals to submit for other programming. And yes. so I'm, I'm struggling in not hiding not hiding yes. my feelings and masking what I'm going through emotionally by burying myself deep in my work. Oh, yes. I, 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 there's a lot of me in that because of past experiences with trauma that I've had as well. So it feels like the clock hasn't stopped, that no one that's has right. pressed pause on the clock. And for me, that's tied to grace. That, yeah, let's mm. extend grace to each other across the board. I mean, you and I were working in some other work, and we just saw a complete lack of grace from our colleagues for our students. Yes. Just like, you know, just this type of, why haven't you turned this in? Why why aren't you, why isn't your Zoom <laughs> on. chat on? Yeah, why? all of this stuff is like, please understand the context that we're in, right? And yes. let's... Let's find more grace for everybody. This challenge has happened because I just keep running to people who just want things to just be exactly the way they used to be five months ago. Well, because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. Yes. They were thriving under that environment. And now yes. there's discomfort. And I'm like, welcome, my friend. Welcome <laughs> right. to this level of discomfort that you live through every day, every time that you walk around the United States. You don't know what might happen to you. That's yes. the reality of being us. Yes, that's exactly right. Day by day. Yeah, day by day. And this all came up because I was trying to get into podcast mode. Like, oh, yeah, things are great. Right? And you were like, yo, mm -hmm. I'm not feeling well. I was like, you know what? Neither am I. Right? It's just like, yeah. let's just say it how it is. So. And then, as I guess, as they say in the industry, can I have that line? As they say in the industry, the show must go on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. I can't. Let's see if uh, the You know you've keeps made it when in. you get to say That's that right. line, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's take our friends here for the ride. And we're going to start with the first segment. Chisme, chisme, chisme. And eventually we're going to have um, a nice voiceover of chisme, chisme, chisme by one of our producers. So be on the lookout for that. But we're going to talk to you about some professional gossip. And first item on the list is what is up with grab programs this upcoming year? So we're, we've been talking about the pandemic and yeah. how is this going to affect our people? Yeah, so it seems like there's some schools who aren't even taking graduate students this fall. We know that Penn and Columbia aren't. That's right. There's also um, some schools seem to be reducing the number of students that they're accepting. And so one wonders, how is this going to impact? You know what we're about here, right? So minoritymath.org, if you forgot, 
for you don't know, that's the center website that hosts the podcast. We're about our people and trying to figure out how these things impact us. So the question is, how does this impact our people when graduate schools are now changing their enrollment criteria, at least for the next semester or year? Yeah, the one thing that I'm concerned about is all these rumors. So I think for sure it's confirmed with the Penn and Columbia that they're not taking students in the fall. But there seems to be like this quite rumor mill, um, which which causes a ton of panic because we have yeah. these students who've been working under pandemic situation. They are, you know, in their last year of their undergraduate education. And all of a sudden, it seems like the rug is additionally pulled out under them. Yes. And so I'm, I'm concerned about some of it being rumor. I know that there's this document floating around with some source of information, and we'll try to put that up on the center's website so, yeah. so folks can find it maybe in a, one of the blog posts. Yeah. But there's also the issue with the GRE, that there is no GRE. And yeah. so so what do you think? Do you think that our students are going to get into graduate programs? And and then what? Yeah. So the first thing I think about is that I try to put myself in the position first. And this was, I mean, this is a dream. Of, like to get a PhD in math was a dream of mine. Mm. So I can't imagine you're in your senior year and you might want to apply to Penn or Columbia. And they're just like, no, not this year. Right? Not it's this, this type year. of thing. Yeah, because... And maybe perhaps understandably, um, but again, thinking about, I am, again, thinking about grace. Let us, I mean, it may be convenient for you with your billion-dollar endowments, but am I about mm. to go there? Am I about to go, am I about to do this? It may be convenient Oof. for you with all of your resources to say, we're not going to invite people this year. But, you know, maybe somebody really wanted to be at your place. And maybe right. that's more important. Maybe you do make the sacrifice of inviting some people. Assuming that your program is worthy of having those people in the first place. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we have to have a whole segment where we talk about where we're not ever going to be recommending students to go to. Yes. I mean, and we can, I I don't know how much, how much deeper we want to get into it, but let's just be clear that not all graduate schools are created the same. That's right. And that we do intend to change the narrative about what a good graduate school is, particularly in this space and at the Mm -hmm. center and in our communities. And um, that means a good place is a place that's actually good to us. And listen, from which we're going to graduate. Yes, that's included in being good to us, right? That means that we need to be respected at your institution. That means that we need to be treated as if we are worthy, Yes, that you are happy to have us. If you want to throw people into a gauntlet in order to fight and get to your degree, then I might call into question whether you're a good program or not. And then if you don't have resources and ways of supporting us as people, then I'm going to call into question whether you're a good program or not. Yeah, part of the work that we've been doing is trying to bring to light just what it is that we need to succeed in these programs. Because I find that people are super well-intentioned, but listen, intention don't feed me. Right. And the impact that the lack of support systems at these institutions end up causing, like what's happening? Well, we show up, people ain't ready for us. They don't know what to do with us. Then all of a sudden we're a problem and then we don't graduate and then we disappear. And then, and then wait, and then wait. And then the narrative is, oh, we'll see that one time we let in a Latina and oh my gosh, she was so needy because she just wanted to know where the hell to pick up tortillas at the grocery store and we just can't handle her type. So we might as well not even let them in anymore. At all. Exactly. Yeah. In other words, we get blamed for it. Yes. 
Right. We. Right. Yes, because apparently, yes. you know, we're we. Oh, uh, 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 we need a competing perspective section on this. Well, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I want to be. I can I pick the side I want to be on. No, no. I agree. <laughs> hey, no, no. We're gonna let the producer decide because That's otherwise right. it's gonna be a nightmare. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. But we will. I think we'll talk about this really in depth over our time together. Just about that's one of the big projects we have, really deciding that, you know, graduate school, we should not be at the behest of graduate schools by name only. Just because your name's fancy doesn't mean that I'm going to be deciding to risk my own health, well-being, mental fortitude Mm. to try and get through your program. And you're not offering me anything. No, no, no. They are offering you something. Here's what they're offering you. They're offering you that they can take your picture and then they can put it mm. on your catalog for the next 75 years. Yes, that's right. Because that one time, we had a black man <laughs> yes, in our that's program, right? right? That's right. <laughs> like, you can you, go back to You get some... to be free publicity for folks for eternity. That's right. Yeah, because you can go back a few years later and still see your face up there. Just like, wait, <laughs> it's been 15 years. For real. Yeah, so. I've heard of some people creating some programming to support some of the recent grads who maybe aren't going to get a job during this pandemic. So it's like folks aren't probably going to take students, at least like we said, for Penn and Columbia. And then now we're also trying to mitigate the job market issues with recent or upcoming grads. But I'm not sure I know a whole lot of what's going on with programming. Yeah, we need to figure that out. And by the way, these programs should be loud, right? And, And maybe we should make that clear in the center as well. So minoritymath.org, go there or let us know if you know of a program like this that's supporting people, because this is a tough time, right? And often, you know, we think about people losing jobs in the pandemic. People are losing opportunities that's right. to go to graduate school, right? And to do all sorts of things. So really reframing all the problems that we're running into because of the pandemic. Yeah. And in terms of incoming graduate students or those who are applying, there are some programs The ones I don't know about are the ones for uh, PhD grads, right? Mm, But like, mm. at least for undergrads, there's bridge programs. So there's one at Iowa State. There's one at Northeastern. There's there's a variety of them, quite a few of them, either bridge programs or master's programs that really get you set up to go into a PhD program. Are you saying like postbacs? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 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 for sure. The postbacs or the bridge programs. And so there seems to be quite a few of those. I know that AIM, the American Institute of Mathematics, recently had a workshop about these programs and how to make them better, how to start one, how to sustain those programs. And so for those students who are being affected by this issue that some graduate programs aren't taking students, that is an option. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. You know, as you were saying, Eris, like the dream is going to get this PhD. And maybe it means that we have to defer the dream for a year or for two years. Yeah. And in the meantime, really prepare, continue to do mathematics, continue to really grow academically in that realm, and then be better ready to start a PhD program yeah. a year or two later. Yeah, because I mean, for me, the dream was the dream. The dream was get a PhD. The dream was not get a PhD in four years, right? Mm. And maybe it should have. If that was the dream, then I would not have accomplished that, right? (laughs) So getting a PhD on its own is enough, right? If it is the case that you have to go to post-bac route, these are very, very incredible experiences. And you get an idea of what the situation is going to be like, and it's a good route. Yeah. All right. So here's another professional development opportunity under our Chisme, Chisme, Chisme. So the MAA 
is looking for an associate director. They have an opening for Project Next. So NEXT stands for New Experiences in Teaching. And the shout out is, I've met so many amazing friends through Project Next. And, yeah. and in fact, um, one of my best friends, uh, Dr. Alicia Prieto Langarica, I met her. You there. met her at Next? Oh, I met her at Project Next. I didn't know that. Hartford, Connecticut. Wow. And, and the story is hilarious. Hilarious. Go ahead, because, please. Well, she was looking for brown and black folks. And she was like, yes. where where are they? And Aparna Higgins said to her, oh, you have to meet you know, Pamela Harris. Okay. And then and then Alicia said, what? Who is she? And then she was like, she ain't Latina. And then she saw me down like a hallway, yes. walking away. And then she screamed, brown people! <laughs> at me from 30 feet away, Harris. From 30 feet away, this woman, this, this wild woman running at me in the hallway, screaming brown people. And so that's how I met her. At Project Next. Wow, um, that is amazing. <laughs> I know. I think about that story and I'm like, I get to carry that story for life. Yeah, so they're seeking a new associate director. They're looking for someone in particular who thinks a lot about teaching, yes. learning of mathematics, who's engaged with research and really values building community. And so the one thing that I thought about it when I saw this posting is... Why are we not nominating our people for this? Because, mm. in fact, they're taking nominations. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so where are we at with just, like, either self-nominations? Like, what do you think yes. about that? Or what do you think about just, like, all of us nominating all of us? No, and I, I, think, it's, I think it's important. You know, I, I don't know. I just want to be clear and real. I mean, there is a sense of futility in these things, right? Mm -hmm. Navigating this place as a Black man is just like... You nominate, and then you're just like, that ain't going to happen, right? It's just this mm. sense of, like, dread and just being disappointed time and time again, right? And the hope is that things are shifting a little bit where it can get more representation across the board, right? That yeah. we can see ourselves and have that spark. The next generation, just a group of people who didn't think, just change what we think is possible. So I think we got to do it, right? I think we have to keep fighting the fight, nominating um, and in droves, right? So we can get representation. Yes. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And not only that, but it gives us uh, visibility in a way that we might not get otherwise, right? You yes. sit as a director for this national organization, and then yes. you get to meet, I mean, Project Next is for junior faculty, right? You just graduated. You want more experience in this realms of teaching and research mm. and service, and all of a sudden, you become recognized by a new generation of PhD mathematicians. And so for me, it's about the visibility. It's about the opportunity to become a leader in mathematics yeah. that, yes. you know, no one's knocking at our door and being like, here, by the way, do you want this position? And so if we're not taking advantage of nominating each other for these things, then, you know, things don't just fall out of the sky for us or for anyone yes. for that matter. But yeah. like, especially for me, no one's like, hey, Pam, here's a position for you. Yeah, no, you're helping me that this is part of the work, too, that we have to keep pushing and, and keep trying to make ourselves visible. And this is one of the ways to do it. Yeah. You got me hyped up now. Okay. We got to do it. Yeah, I, yes. think, I think it's yes, going to yes, be yes. like a marathon nomination writing just for Project Next. And then the other thing that I hope gets off the ground, I know it's in the works, but as part of the center, we want to set up this nominating committee to make sure that our people get elected to these kinds of roles, but also for awards. 
Yes. Right? Like, we're doing good work and we should be nominated for these things. That's right. We need to address that point that you made, though, that we can't believe that we're not going to get it. Right. Right? That shouldn't be a reason why we don't apply. And I think in the wise words of Federico Ardila, he actually asked me, why aren't you applying to this um, Martin Luther King Jr. position at MIT? And then I was like, "Uh, two obvious reasons. Right. Right? Only two obvious reasons, friend. Um, But it's a position for underrepresented minority who want to go to MIT for a year and teach there. I think actually it's like two years. And you get to teach there. And I was like, yeah, no. And then he said, no one's going to tell you that you're going to get this position. And if you don't apply, you're closing doors on yourself. Yes. And I was like, oh, wow. I never thought about that. The fact that I just don't even try means I've closed the door. No, and that's what's interesting. Let's just be clear and let's unpack that metaphor very clearly. That there was an assumption that there was already a door that was open. Mm. And that's the change of mindset that I need to get to. That the door is open, or at least it's cracked a little bit. But to not apply, to not nominate, is to close the door. When in fact, I was having this perception that that door is already closed. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I apply, they're not going to open it. That's right. Right. But now if it's already cracked open and then we apply and nominate each other, maybe it opens the whole way then. Right. I mean, imagine getting seven nominations for one person for that one position. Right. How right. can they not take that seriously? Right. You know what I'm saying? And so yes. that part yes. is about the numbers and we have them. And yes, you know, there's we're way underrepresented in the sciences, but that doesn't mean that we we who exist in those spaces can't create critical mass within That's that correct. space. Critical mass is crucial because I've always believed that if we organize, and this is why the center is so important, that if we organize, if we bring what we have together in numbers, then we can change this entire discipline. For everybody, and in particular for ourselves. All right. All right. Nominating committee, there is. Let's 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 make let's, sure we make that happen. Let's do it. And then there's also this justice, equity, diversity, inclusion outreach group. I believe this is coming from the ASA, so the American Statistical Association, and they're also calling for leadership nominations. And they want to bring together a group of folks who are working in this. I don't know if you caught the acronym, but it's Jedi. Yes. So justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And so we'll have more of that on the website, minoritymath.org. So check that out. It's already on the calendar. I believe it's the deadline is coming up. So check it out and put some nominations out there. Yeah, yeah. Where else should we be checking things out? At the, oh, we got a ton of places. So people should be checking out stuff at the Indigenous Mathematics website. That's coming yeah. up. They're creating I think that's that? coming up. Okay. Mathisms. That's right. Yeah, we're still celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month for a, a few more days. So check us out. Excellent. Mathematically gifted and black. That's right. Uh, and then the math pages. That's right. Live, I believe, Friday, October yeah, 9th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's tons of information on the center's website. So you can find out about all of that at minoritymath.org. And then you also should be subscribing to the blog and our podcast. And I mean, while you're at it, you better be making the center's page your home Absolutely. Page. That's right. That's right. And yeah, again, uh, we didn't mention it, but you can always email us, subscribe to this podcast at mu at minoritymath.org. That is right. Okie dokie. Time for some fun. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this next segment is what we call quotes of the week. And so we get yes. to have a discussion about 
some of the quotes we've heard from colleagues, friends, frenemies, um, others. Yes. Yeah, so we'll have a, a list of quite ridiculous, and maybe we're going to discuss which of them is the most egregious. So maybe I will start with this first one. Okay. And so let me tell you a little bit about the context in which this quote came up. And so the context is we are having a discussion about mentoring students. And someone yeah. in the conversation says, well, you know, what you need to do is you need to build very personal relationships with folks in order for you yeah. to become a good mentor of theirs. Yes. And then somebody says, actually, I don't think so. I don't really want to hear their personal problems. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You want to go or me? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I'm kind of speechless because I'm still mad. I'm okay, like, you yes. want to hear their personal problems, but you want to be a good mentor. Like, I'm still trying to process because this was actually, you know, within a week that I've heard this one. Yes. Well, it, it might be hard to process because it sounds like that there are some contradictory things going on. Because mm -hmm. what we believe is that being a good mentor in some sense means that you are available to hear a couple of personal things, right? Because to be a good mentor means that you are attuned to the entirety of a person. Yeah. Yeah. So to say that, oh, I don't, what did they say? That they, that they don't want to hear, hear it. Their, they don't want to hear their personal, personal problems. They want to basically yes. keep their mentoring at as 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 far as possible from knowing that they're struggling with anything other than yes. maybe their mathematics. Yes, yes, yes. So I was about to ask to just make sure this was in the math environment. Is yes. Correct? Yeah, no, this is the battle. This is the battle. This is one of the many battles that we've got to get going about this notion of mathematical relationships being one dimensional and that dimension mm. just being math, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's the one dimension that every that that is seems like the norm in our society that we have just got to break down. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a culture thing. I don't know. But I do know that here at the center, we've got people who want to connect with each other, that we want to be able to be talking about stuff that is not mathematics. If you can believe that. Can you believe right? it? We actually, a center that talks about people? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Right. And you mean that the math is not the number one thing that we should be discussing? Yes. yes. And somehow that's radical. That's, yeah. that, that is so just like out of the box in this context. But I wonder if part of that is because of, again, this idea of being uncomfortable, right? So when I hear this quote about not wanting to hear, let's say, students' problems, to me, that means that you're uncomfortable. Yes. You're uncomfortable. You're like deeply uncomfortable with hearing that maybe they're struggling, you know, financially. And so... Like, I kind of sometimes just want to shake people. Like, are you serious? Did you just say that? Do you not well, yeah. realize, like, yeah. the life we're all living right now? And as you pointed out earlier, like, where is the grace? Yes, yes. And so let's just be clear, because I think we said it. When you are operating in one dimension and then we come off the axis to try mm. and pull you off that dimension, <laughs> you are going, we were all feel uncomfortable, right, to, to do that. What we have to do, the messaging has to be starting at the center and with our voices is that please see all of us. All of us matters, right? That's right. Now, nobody is saying that you got to be all deep up in somebody's and know their social security number. Like, nobody is saying, <laughs> right? Like, but hey, some of us to, don't got those. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so, yeah, it's one of these things where if you want me to be the best mathematician, you have to treat me humanely. That's right. Right? You must see me as a person. And so to have these relationships that they're particularly with a mentor, 
that is strictly down for mathematics only can be insufficient. I might need more than that. And that is particularly true for us when our humanity is already not fully recognized out there in the world. I then get to pick you or choose you or we decide to have this mentor-mentee relationship and you still cannot see my full humanity. I might as well just go out and talk to a stranger. Listen, I mean, mean, sometimes we we might as well be doing that. That's right. Because we're (laughs) in these spaces and some of this, you know, and, and I've been talking to friends about this, that there's this assumption initially that when you talk about mentoring, you're talking about good mentoring, positive mm. mentoring. But mm. but let's get real. That doesn't look the same for everyone. So for me, I've experienced having tour mentors, yes. right? That their style of mentoring is not yes. actually mentoring. It's a form of abuse. Yes. Like I will call it what it is because it took me a long, long time to process that. And it was mm. expensive with that therapy and that medication. Mm. But Mm. it was tormenting me. It was making me feel like the only thing that should ever matter about me as a mathematician was really just my output. Mm. It was my output. If I couldn't get a paper out fast enough, that person would never advocate for me in any way. Yes. Yes. Either behind closed doors or to my face. Yes. And so, it, you know, it's it's a fine line between thinking that we're going to be a good mentor for somebody and then becoming their tormentor. And I don't know <sighs> that we talk enough about those really terrible experiences that are disguised as mentoring. Yes, that's what, well, you know, and I appreciate you sharing this. And I wanted to go a little bit deeper if I have your permission to do so. Yes, let's do it. And I appreciate that. So in the moment that this is happening, there's something that in the way that we do mathematics that had you thinking that this was okay. Yes. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. For two years, right? For two years, I I worked with someone who would say things to me like, well, this is a research project with a group of people, but this means more to you because of where you're going to be working at, Mm. meaning going to Williams. and. It got to the point where, I mean, I sleep at night. I don't know about folks, but I enjoy my sleep. And there were times where it's three o'clock in the morning and this person is emailing me. And this person is like, why are you not up? The formatting of the references does not follow correct convention. So I need you to fix it. And I need it by six in the morning. Wow. And I'm like getting up out of bed. And my husband's like, what's wrong? Thinking somebody died because I'm getting up in the middle of the night to literally go to my computer to actually figure out how I should format the references so that we can resubmit the article to the journal. Yes. And so it became this really sick obsession. Part of it, like, oh, this person is investing their time in me. They see something in me. They're trying to, like, help me. Yes. And somehow I drank the Kool-Aid that I needed the damn help. Mm, mm, right? That mm. somehow there was something missing in me, that I was lacking whatever it was that this person thought I should have. Yes. And then it became really clear because then at some point, this person said to me, oh, I know that we talked about this paper, right? This idea, a project that I did with students on my own with my students. Once it was completed, I brought it back and I said, hey, what do you all think about this? And they said, oh, everybody's name should be on that. And I said, wait, wait a minute. Y'all didn't touch this at all. Yes. At all. And they said, oh, well, clearly you don't know how mathematics works. Because if you had done a real postdoc, you would know that if somebody says to you, oh, I saw you give this talk, you know, you should try the... You know, if you have a linear function, make a quadratic and see what happens. And apparently, in some realms, that means that that person gets their name on your paper. 
Yes. And so there's this secret menu thing that I was trying to balance. Like, maybe I don't know. Maybe I really don't know because I went to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Maybe I don't know because I did a postdoc at the United States Military Academy. And here's this person who went to elite university. Fancy, fancy. Yes. Right? And clearly they're trying to help me. And it took everything in me to recognize that there was nothing that I was missing. Mm. That everything that I needed to be successful in mathematics would happen when I found my people. Mm. When I found people who supported me, who were going to advocate for me, and who were listening to what it was that I wanted to do in my life. And so... This tormentor, and I have other names. I also have the collector who only mentors students who they already deem successful. Yes. Right? So, yeah, it's hurtful. Yes. It's hurtful. And it takes years to undo the damage. And the problem is that this damage continues to happen to young people. Like I see some of my, you know, students of color. Yes. Who are being now the recipients of that very, very terrible mentoring. But because it's such an abusive relationship... It's really, really difficult to get out of it because you feel like I'm going to miss out. Like, I need to stick with this person. I don't care if they abuse me. I don't care if they're just using me. You know, at the end, I'll be okay. Yes, yes. And that's what we have to, again, that's we're fighting everything. But that's another thing we have to fight. Now, let's be clear. I want to be consistent. That I call getting a PhD a dream. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. and, And when you think about what I would have taken to get to that dream, I would imagine I would have been in the same situation in which I would have taken a lot more than what I did. I was in a situation that was way more supportive, but I can imagine if I have to have somebody yelling at me just to get to the end, that that is something I probably would have done. And where we need to go is that maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, (laughs) maybe we shouldn't, yeah, yeah. And And I hear, you know, I can like hear people in my head, right? Like telling me, Yeah, but it's so easy for you to say that now that you've made it and you have tenure and like, look at you now on this podcast, like how easy this must be. And I'm saying, I I agree. I went through it. I suffered through it. And it took me, you know, two years as I lived through that experience. And it took me four more years to get out of it and to get to the point where I was actually mentally healthy again. So would you do it again this way? No, heck no. No, because it took me four years and I got to the point where things were so, so bad that I wasn't even sure that my life was worth it. Mm. Like, that's where I got with the yes. combination of that happening and then like really terrible experiences in, in line of my teaching and ways that students yes. treated me. It it broke me. Yes. It, and when I say it broke me, you know, I can talk about Alicia. Alicia saw me in the summer of 2017 and she literally said to me, you are unrecognizable. Mm. Like this spunky person you see who will just like fight with everyone about anything and like be opinionated. I couldn't even have a conversation about anything. Like I was so medicated trying to figure out the right antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications to actually like bring me back to normal. That like I wasn't myself. Like I had to lose almost everything to recognize, to get to the other side of it and to recognize that what was happening to me was a form of academic abuse. Let's call it what it is. Yes, that's right. We can take the the academic off of it. You know, under the the name of mentoring. Yes, powerful. Thank you for that. Really, thank you. Yes, and so one of the challenges is how can we simultaneously tell our people to fight through it and tell them 
respect your boundaries enough to get out. Mm. Right? Because too often, a lot of times we're just like, you can do it, you can do it, you can fight, you can fight, get through it, get through it. And we also want to say, listen to Pamela's story and know when this is not okay. Yeah. And try and find other ways to get out. And I think that looks different for everybody, right? And I think the most important part is for you to be able to have a conversation with yourself about what is important for you, what you actually need to thrive, and to not fall prey to the belief system that the only thing of value is your mathematics. yes. And everything around you is going to tell you that. Yes. Right? <laughs> that, 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 that you are a paper-creating machine, right? And that's your value. And this is why it's important to have community and to people supporting you to tell you otherwise and value other things about you than your mathematical repertoire. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to think about having gone through that experience and then thinking about what the experience was after it. When I Mm. found new collaborators, when I found a new way of being within the mathematical space. And when I switched that on and I said, there is no way that I'm willing to work with anyone under those conditions. Mm. And here's what I value in collaborative spaces and how I will center who I have fun with above who I am productive with, all of a sudden, my productivity by the success measures in the math community (laughs) skyrocketed. Amazing. Amazing. You know? And so it was like, for me, it was about feeling connected to people through mathematics. Are you suggesting that accessing your full humanity actually made you a better mathematician? It has made me a better everything. (laughs) Yes. It has yes. made me a better mother. It has made yes. me a better partner. It has made me a, a better person. I guess that's the confusing thing that people don't seem to understand in our discipline about the culture. That mathematician is a subset of person. Yes. Not the other way Not the other around. way around, friends. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for that, for sharing that story. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. Should we think a little bit about the second quote? Oh, we can hit it up. We can try. Yeah. I mean, let's let's hit it up before okay. we, we say goodbyes here. All right. So here's the second quote of the week. I don't know how to mentor minority students because I am white. Oh, yeah. So we this might have to be a two-parter. We might have to break this one. <laughs> Wait, podcast number three is <laughs> coming up. That's right. No, um, this is another one of our battles where, first of all, let's be clear that the center is about marginalized people and people of color, right? So we do want to be in the space where we are not sitting around the gaze of white people. So it's called the white gaze, G-A-Z-E, right? Where we operate in thinking about how white people look at us, Mm. right? Yeah, that is not the way to live, right? I have no intention in, I learned this from Toni Morrison. I I will not live my life trying to figure out how white people are looking at me, right? So it is the case that in this world, that we all have to live together, right? And so we can have deep and meaningful conversations and relationships, obviously, with everybody, including white people. And so in this space, we're in a discipline where it's predominantly white. And so if we're going to have most white people having this type of leaning and belief that race will forbid you from Mm -hmm. being a good mentor, then we're going to be doomed anyway. Right. Because yeah. they just are not enough of us to be able to reach everybody. And so the, the, the hard question is, 
how is it that we can connect beyond across cultures, across skin color, across, right? And so I believe in the power of, um, of us to connect in a way that extends beyond these superficial things, right? Mm-hmm. But it requires a level of courage that a lot of us will not be willing to exhibit. That mm-hmm. This is tied to what you were saying earlier about how people are comfortable, right? Yes. People, it's just much easier to say, okay, that's a minority student. So that person needs minority assistance. Yes. Yeah, so there is something that you have, right, as a white person that that person might need, right? Mm. And that you may be the only person who can help that person with, if you can believe that, in the context. So if you're in a graduate school and that this person needs help, the color of their skin is not the criteria that determines whether you can assist them. Because again, I understand how it can be a little bit paradoxical because we're saying that people of color have some unique situations that nobody who is white can understand. That's mm-hmm. true. It's also true that people of color are in graduate school and they will have the same issues as other graduate students of which you can help with. That's right. Right. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, it's complex. And so let us not remove ourselves um, from being helpers and assistants because of skin color. We just can't do that. Yeah. And I also, it sticks out to me in this quote that I don't know how to, right? And so maybe Mm. there is a willingness to mentor, but there's like a deep sense of fear. You know, there's this deep sense of fear of, oh no, if I say something wrong, I'll be labeled a racist and I'm never Mm. coming back from that. Yes. Yeah. And so how do we mitigate that? And my thought is like, I've been afraid my whole life. My, my yes. Black husband walks out the door and I'm afraid. Yes. So if you're afraid that you might say something offensive, then figure out how to just do it anyways. Yeah, that's right. So I think there are two things. I think that you have to risk, but I think that you also have to come correct. Yes. With And, and what, I, what do I mean by that? I mean, you come with a stance of unmitigated, unyielding, relentless commitment to being helpful and loving to the person. Thank you. In other words, yes. In other words, I'm asking my white brothers and sisters out here, how is it that you would articulate to somebody that you deeply, deeply care about them? Mm. Right. That, that's the question. So if, if you're going to tell me that, that you won't be able to resonate with somebody else, my question to you is, what if I had to give you $10,000 to convince somebody that you care about them, what would you say? What mm. would you say? Because I believe that we all know in some ways to show somebody that we are deeply committed to their success. Yes. And if you don't, then that's, by the way, that's your problem, right? That's something you need to figure out. But yeah, when you say you can't mentor that other person, please start with your message, right? Mm. Because you've got to be able, look, we're not going to connect with everybody. But what we have got to do is say, I gave everything I had to try and communicate with that person that I'm rolling with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the question we need to start asking ourselves. How Am, am I doing everything I can in the words that I use to convey that I'm committed to you? Now, we know that, you know, it's not just words. It's actions and policies and all of that. But if we're just talking about talking with somebody, what stance do you have? What words are you using? Are you looking them right in the eye? Are you, mm. yeah, are you being humble? 
Is it about them and not about you? That's it right, right there. Yes, come on. And by the way, so what I struggle with is people know how to do this. Of oh, course they do, because they mentor everybody else. Yes, that's right. And and they have significant relationships with other people yes. outside of Met. People know how to connect with other people. Of course people. they do. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't know how all of a sudden it gets weird in math now and someone is a different skin color than you, then all of a sudden we lose how to connect with people. Right. So um, and I, we know why that is. And I'm trying to keep it together because, you know, we've had these forces over hundreds of years that says those people of color are different from us. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is the work we have to do. And so I would just offer the people remember how you connect with other people and bring those same a lot of those same qualities to connecting with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, for well listening. Put. These are some of the real conversations we're having, super complex, and we're trying not to be too discreet. <laughs> That's right. That's fantastic. All right. We, well, I we think that gives everybody a, a second full episode of information. Right. Um, maybe let's go ahead yeah. and end with some of the announcements. So first off, like we said earlier, please sign up for all of the features of the center. So minoritymath.org. We have a blog, we have your podcast here, and take advantage of using the resources that are already there. The calendar is very well populated with upcoming events and information, and, and so check yeah. that out. And seriously, we're not joking. We ask you to make the center your homepage. Please, And absolutely. then there's also SACNAS. SACNAS is coming up, so if you go to the calendar, you'll check that out. It is going to be happening virtually this year, as most things are. And it'll be running October 19th through the 24th. Eris, you want to tell them about our webinar? Yeah, we also got a webinar this Friday at the AMS. So advocating for students of color in your department. We did one where we were advocating for students of color in your classroom. And so Pamela, myself, and Dr. Michael Young will be there. By the time you hear this, it'll be the day of, I think, or maybe not, but it's October 16th. So we'll be, how can they find, that'll be on the center too, right? Yeah, it's on the center as well. Yeah, yeah. so you'll find us talking about that, having some hard conversations, 90-minute webinar. Uh, So that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, let's see. We also have the broader engagement program at SIAM Computational Science and Engineering Conference. And there's an application deadline. There was an extension on the deadline. So folks need to look into this, but it is now due October 16th. And again, we have that on the calendar at the center. So check it out. Fantastic. Pamela, thank you again, as always. No, thank you. I'm so excited to have gotten the opportunity to officially say that we get to close out podcast number two. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. I appreciate it. We'll see you uh, the next episode. All right. We did it. Bye. Bye.